Handle on the news. Handle on the news. What's your first thought? That's crazy. How could that be? Weren't you angry? I don't remember being angry. I thought it's crazy to fire. Bill Handel. Is here in for Wayne Resnick. Hey, for the rest of the week. You want to press the button? Uh, no, I don't hear you. Oh, your mic was off too, Handle. I think my it was little, something. Oh, the really? The studio my little red light is gone. Oh, all right. Good enough. Well, you was it your it? fault? Uh, no. no. No, it was the studio, I think, was off. Yeah. Yeah. John, congratulations. <laughs> You're, you just started talking and your mic wasn't on. Scapegoating. I turned my mic on. No, it wasn't. I pushed And I... Rich turned. And what? And Rich didn't turn his mic on? No, no. I did. Oh, no, yeah. I don't hear myself. Right. Uh-uh. John, congratulations. Okay. Uh, morning. Hump day, Wednesday. Uh, Jennifer Jones League, good morning. I handle. Uh, Rich Murata in for Wayne right through Friday. I'll do a handle again. Yeah. Hey, handle. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Alex over here. Ooh, guess who's in the other studio? Michelle the Cube Meister. Michelle. Michelle, who is uh, now the executive producer of the entire station. And do you know what that means she has to do today? The fire, fire drill. drill. Oh, good. <laughs> Michelle, do you have like a, an orange vest or something? What are you wearing today? I have an orange vest and I have a whistle. I am so... A whistle? <laughs> what is the whistle for? I mean, Michelle, <laughs> since, morning, we know, Bill. since we know... Good morning. Since we know it's after 10, how fast am I running down the stairs? I advise you to leave as soon as possible. <laughs> I'll oh. be right there with you. Uh, you, know what time, you know what time it is. I don't know exactly what time it is. They don't tell us exactly what time but it is. But it's sometime after 10. Usually they give us a three-hour window between 9 and noon. Oh, that's it. That's it. That's all we get. Well, it between, if it happens between 9 and 10, we're still in the studio because yeah, we're, we're examining. Well, what do we do? do we, if it happens between 9 and 10, do we, we stay there? Do we, we stay, stay here, here. And, yeah. and talk? Yeah, and burn up. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, finally, uh, congratulations, John. Uh, and uh, I can't get over the whistle. What is the whistle for, for Michelle? <laughs> What a whistle. It's called authority, Rich. paying attention to me when I tell them to leave the building. Yeah. In case uh, she starts drowning in the open sea, you have a whistle. And then if uh, you also, she also has a string that puts the light on when it gets wet. I'll use the whistle and then I'll kick them if they don't leave. Exactly. All right. A lot of stuff. Oh, my God, that we're covering today. Uh, Immigration. Uh, Some news on immigration. Federal judge uh, stopping the Trump administration in many ways. Uh, And... um, the Ocasio-Cortez uh, election. And I'm going to be bringing in Rich on this one because a 28-year-old socialist unseats uh, a fourth-ranking House Democrat. Hey, really? Joe Crowley, yeah, for the New York seat. Yeah, I like out, those socialists. I know. I, that's why you're coming in. An out-and-out socialist. You didn't bring your Karl Marx uh, T-shirt today. What did you... Uh... I have my Muhammad Ali T-shirt here. Oh, yeah, you do. And you've met Muhammad Ali on several Muhammad Ali actually started my career. He gave me my career in broadcasting because he was nice enough to give me an interview when I was a dopey guy at Cal State Northridge on the college radio station who was never on the air. But I went and I asked his wife if she would uh, set me up with Muhammad to... uh, to have an interview yeah. with him. She did. One no of the most extraordinary human beings on the planet. Just an astounding person. Uh, I had the, the worst television show in the history of television. Remember that? It wasn't that bad. Oh, yes, I watched it was. It. Oh, it's a piece of crap. This anyway, was huge for yourself? Uh, yeah, it was huge for yourself. Huge. Yeah, it came out of Minnesota. Anyway, 
uh, we uh, when they were promoting the show, it was at uh, an organization called NAPTI, which is the syndication, uh, television syndication organization where they sell shows, the various networks. And there were, and in this auditorium, there was uh, sort of a social event where hundreds of people were there. And the biggest names in TV were there. Uh, everybody you have ever, ever at that time Walter Cronkite was there of 60 Minutes. I mean, every anchor you saw. Muhammad Ali walked into the room, and Forget it was it. totally silent. <laughs> no kidding. And everybody looked at Muhammad Ali with complete reverence. He commands the room. He absolutely just sucks the oxygen out of the room. He is such an extraordinary... And just by walking in, I mean, just an astounding human being. Uh, and uh, certainly lived up to uh, his uh, his basic beliefs. Remember, uh, Supreme, he went to Supreme Court. Yeah. Right. He gave up his career right. voluntarily, uh, knowing that he was not going to fight in Vietnam. And uh, he it was just extraordinary. And he was vindicated. That time he was vilified for doing that. All right, uh, let's do it. I handle on the news, Jennifer, Rich, Rick, and uh, me. Lead story, I'm going to go right to Jen on that one. All right, well, relatives of the 10-year-old who died in Lancaster say L.A. County's response Wait a minute. Don't we have uh, the suspect in Sherman Oaks? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I don't have that one. But, yes, sure, oh, I can don't. give you— uh, No, I did not know we were doing that. But, yes, I can give you the update. So police yes. have in Sherman Oaks have led a man away from a motel in handcuffs. There was a five-hour standoff, but it ended about mm. 5.30 this morning. Got it. They used tear gas. Okay. Got him out. All right, so it's over. Thank Sepulveda you. Sepulveda has not opened yet, but they but expect it to anytime. Okay, got it. All right, so uh, now you have uh, the young boy. Go go ahead with that one. All right, so the family of the boy who died in Lancaster is now blaming the uh, the county for not helping because they say they went to them many, many times now about ta- abuse. Now, you're not talking about uh, the parents. No, so this yeah. is like the aunt, and yeah. they went to them and said, these kids are being starved, they're being neglected. And a- according to officials, yes, in fact, the Department of, I think it's Child and Family Services, what went out to the house a number of times, but were told by the kids every time they got there, the kids would deny that any abuse was right. going on. Now, uh, now we have to look at what, uh, what the young boy looked like, uh, because... Uh, when the police came, uh, the first responders, uh, after he was, quote, he fell. fell and yeah. uh, the uh, the mother, I think the mom called 911, and there were bruises, cigarette burns. Cigarette burns. Did yeah. that happen Ugh. subsequent to the last visit? And we don't know we don't that know. yet. If it turns out that that kind of activity, which usually isn't the case, it usually goes on for years, but the kid says everything's fine, everything's fine, and, and he's credible. The child is credible when doing that, and there is no, it doesn't look like there's uh, any physical harm. Uh, you know, what's uh, Child Protection Services supposed to do at that point? Yeah, Take how the can kid. you blame the county? Uh, well, point. except that the county had been called, returned him to the parents. They yanked him away for they a period did. of time, yeah. And well, then, then there must have been a reason why yep, they yanked them away. We're finding right? out nothing at this point. Uh, we'll uh, we'll have a lot more as this uh as this story unfolds, parents aren't even being charged yet. No. Which is very unusual. They've had the kids taken away. They're right. being questioned. By the way, I just want to add to this. The mother of uh, Andresian, 
uh, Aramaz Andresian Jr., do you remember him, who was killed by his father, who admitted he pleaded guilty yes. to it, the five-year-old from South Pasadena? She is now suing L.A. County for what she says was negligence and incompetence because even though she told the child services that her ex was abusing their son, they still granted Andresian unmonitored partial physical custody. So she's going after him. Yeah, it's tough to take a kid away from uh, a mother particularly. The presumption is uh, that a child stays with the parents. And it has to go, uh, there has to be some kind of proof. We'll be back uh, with more handle on the news. Okay, Jennifer. Morning crew, as we continue handle on the news, Jennifer Jones Lee, uh, Rich Barada in for Wayne and me. And California federal judge in San Diego has ordered the kids who have been separated from their parents at the border to be reuni- reunited within 30 days. Yeah, give you 30 days. that's the big one. 14 days if they're under the age right. of five. It ain't gonna happen. Uh, well, it's I mean, not. They've got kids they don't even know who their parents are, Bill. Uh, no, they're they saying do. they do. There's like they're a three-month or a nine-month-old yeah. kid at a New York hospital right if now. That's, or New if York, that's one, like, they well, have when no you talk clue. About, I mean, if you're talking about 2,300 kids with one or two, I mean, someone's going to fall through the gaps but uh, or through the cracks. Uh, I'm going to talk a lot more about this at 730 because there's policy here. There are politics uh, here. Uh, there is an argument for humanity here. Uh, there's the law here and so there's a lot to talk about and this by the way this whole ruling stems from a seven-year-old from congo and one of your people a 14-year-old from brazil handled oh one of those people your one people. of your people yeah my people yeah. yours <laughs> yes well uh before the court order yesterday about the uh the reunions the california and 16 other states plus dc sued the trump administration over the separation of families at the border california Part of it, I'm telling you, this is so contentious. So now, in addition to the court uh, order with the judge, uh, this is uh, the states who have sued. Uh, and this this lawsuit, or the order, only happened yesterday. And uh, the states are uh, forcing or trying to force uh, the immigrants, uh, the children and parents, to be reunited. But it's a federal issue. I don't know where they're going on this one. Well, how many of these attorneys general are uh, Republicans? Uh, I don't think any. That's, I, I guarantee you there, there's not. I bet all of these are blue states. Yeah. yeah. Is this just symbolic? Uh, I, I think so. I don't know. I, I don't know if they're if they legitimately think there's a case. But uh, the Trump administration is uh, going to uh, ask for a summary judgment. Uh, no jurisdiction, because uh, maybe I'm misunderstanding here, uh, but it's a federal issue. You know, what do the states have to do telling the federal government what to do? Uh, I don't think now they can bring up a constitutional issue. States can bring it up as well as individuals. Right. But I don't know where they're going with this. I think it's just part of our polarization. Yeah. Which is. is only getting worse and worse. Oh, God. Yeah. Attorney General Jeff Sessions was in SoCal yesterday and he, boy, did he take some shots at political leaders in California. Yeah. I love it. In terms of the position on immigration, he said uh, these same people. Uh, live in gated communities. Many of them are featured at events where you have to have an ID to even come in and hear them speak. Uh, they like a little security around themselves. And if you try to scale the fence, believe me, they'll even be too happy to have you arrested and separated from your children. Uh, yeah, I, he's got a point. You know, I believe in uh, non-separation of parents uh, or uh, 
reconciling parents with their kids. And uh, if any one of them tried to scale my gated community, I'd have them thrown out immediately and arrested. Handle. What? He also talked about sanctuary policies. It may sound nice, but these, in effect, if you think about it, are open border policies. At their root, they're essentially a rejection of all immigration law. Now, I, I think he's got a point there, too. Uh, whether you agree or not, because sanctuary cities, by definition, if you don't, uh, if you are refusing to uh, cooperate with any federal authority regarding I- illegal aliens, I, I believe it. I think California, the legislature, and our policy of sanctuary cities is open borders. We will, at any point, always favor illegal aliens, uh, and that's simply California. So I, I disagree with a lot of uh, what uh, they're doing. Uh, for example, uh, I think that the, the, the Muslim ban, ban is racist. And uh, my argument is the president has the right to do that based on law. We'll talk about that later on, too. But um, there's the fight. There's, so Trump likes uh, sessions this week, probably? Uh, yeah, this yeah. week he this likes week sessions. He likes- <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you get kicked out of the Red Hen in Virginia, apparently you get Secret Service protection. Secret Sarah, everything seems so right. I mean, they're not coming out and saying that exactly, but all of a sudden, White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders has White House protection after she gets kicked out of the Red Hen in Virginia. Again, uh, I think she should have uh, Secret Service protection. I I was surprised she didn't have it. Yeah. Me too. I, I yep. thought she was in a position where she would. I guess not. Who actually is entitled to? Uh, I think by service. law or policy, certainly the president, vice president, uh, senior uh, members like of Congress, the... uh, certainly oh, the really? speaker, yeah. the whip. I didn't yeah. know that. I thought it was just the president's both, family. No, both sides. Oh, no, there's a lot of people who get Secret Service protection. Uh, and, uh, for example, Scalise, uh, when right. he was fired, uh, there was a Secret Service protection guy there. And uh, anybody the president deems should have Secret Service protection. But wouldn't you think that the mouthpiece of the White House would be the one, you no matter who so. the president yeah, is? You would think so. And then you have uh, people in the cabinet uh, that don't have any Secret Service protection. I don't think a uh, HUD uh, cabinet member. And I think uh, it's it's up to the, I think it's up to the president. There's law, and the president can also mandate uh, foreign dignitaries coming in have Secret Service protection. I've got the list. You've nailed them all. The only other thing that you missed was events designated as national security events by the Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, and then candidates get it, too. Oh, that's right. That's if you, right. Have, if you yeah. have over 5% uh-huh. of right. uh, the vote uh, in a primary, uh, then you get Secret Service protection. That's right. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, How long do you think this Sanders is going to last in, uh, in her job? I think for I think uh, right through the point where she wants to bail out. She's doing a brilliant job yeah. for the president. The president but she will her. bail out. Well, they all bail out and uh, because the work is so enormous, it's so overwhelming. It's 24 hours a day. You're on call. I think it's if a have, bad job. If man. you have a family, you can kiss it goodbye, especially chief of staff. Almost nobody goes the, the full eight years and chief of staff. It's just too hard a job. It just sucks everything out of yeah. you. And like if, if the president lies, and of course Trump would never lie. Right. But if the president oh, yeah. lies, then you've got to lie. Oh, right? or you have you to. Spin. You spin, spin. the lie. Oh. She, and she's brilliant at it. She is fantastic. She is brilliant. All right, we're going to take a break, come back, and do plenty more Handle on the News. Jennifer Jones-Lee uh, and Rich Murata and me. And there's Jennifer. I didn't know. 
crew uh we have big stories to cover immigration's a big one with a federal judge yesterday ordering uh the families uh, in fact uh, to now be put together right no separation for uh, you all right and then a 28 year old uh, socialist uh unseats a fourth ranking house democrat in new york so i'll talk a lot about that later on okay back we go more handle on the news Jennifer Jones Lee, Rich Marotti in for Wayne and me. And the owner of that restaurant who kicked Sarah Sanders out earlier this week in Virginia now is resigning from a local business group. That's it. I quit. Yeah, it's there's so much backlash. There uh, yesterday uh, there was a front page story in the LA Times and the headline is uh what the Democrats are doing now and paraphrasing uh it's going to backfire on them and it is. We talked about that yesterday. They now have reduced themselves or lowered themselves to the same level as Trumpists. So there's no difference anymore. So what are we going to have? Democrat and Republican uh, restaurants that you can go to now? Well, I if think. You're, yeah. yeah. If you're a Democrat, it's okay to go in this restaurant, yeah. but not this and then, restaurant. And then you'll see uh, vegan restaurants, Democratic restaurants, <laughs> and Republican <laughs> restaurants are going to be meat with a side dish of meat. But I thought, Rich, you actually made a good point yesterday. And when I read this story last night, I thought of you because you said you would support this woman. You would go to her restaurant. And I bet a lot of people feel like you. Problem is, you're in California. She's in Virginia. So she might not be getting the physical support. And it's a whole lot easier to bash her by these people who are online. They hacked into her email account. So the backlash is far outweighing the support that she's getting. For sure. Well, here's another story. Of uh, backlash. Permit Patty is back or out, as the case may be. You can hide all you want. The whole world going to see you, boo. So get out, get out, get out, get out. I remember uh, this is uh, the lady who threatened to call the police on an eight-year-old black girl selling water on the street, saying she doesn't have a permit. And she didn't actually do it, but she threatened her. Well, it turns out she's a CEO, not the kid, but the uh, uh, Permit Patty. She's a CEO of a cannabis company. She had to resign. She had to step down uh, because all of uh, the retailers that bought from this company said, no, we're done. Yep. She said she was getting death threats and that the the backlash on her business was so bad she didn't want to make her employees suffer. So she stepped down. Yeah. Everybody's got cell phones out there. This this is not the first uh, occasion like this. Remember, there's that lawyer a month ago who went on that racist rant. Yeah. And, and uh, he has been practically shut down. Yeah. And uh, she's going to get she's getting shut down now because anything if you uh, portray yourself a racist or uh, an abuser of uh, some type in public, somebody's got a phone on that and somebody's yeah. going to post it on Twitter. Talking about abuser. What, yeah, a story, exactly. what a story this one is. Actor Terry Crews wants more men to speak out now on sexual assault. How did you know? I love this song. He's in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee uh, hearing for Sexual Assault Survivors Bill of Rights. And he said uh, men should uh, come out and talk about both as victims and their roles perpetrating sexual violence. Now, uh, I agree uh, because I think in an auditorium I'd go, how many of you men want to lose their jobs? Come on, destroy your career right now. Just stand up and admit that you engaged in inappropriate sex 20 years ago. Please, stand up. 
By the way, your kids aren't going to eat anymore, but that's small potatoes relative to the importance of standing up. What planet is this guy on? Uh, well, who is this guy anyway, and why Why would he be speaking to the Senate Judiciary Committee? He's an actor who was He's sexually assaulted. Yeah, oh, is that right? He claimed yeah. to be assaulted, yeah, where he said he was he assaulted. He said he was assaulted. No, I believe okay. it. Uh, a Hollywood executive groped him at an industry event in 2017. So, uh, you know, someone groped me, and I can't get anybody to grope me, male or female. Uh, I think you've groped me. Uh, yeah, well, I, yeah, I've wow. I, 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 I grabbed yes. your junk. I think that just yeah. happened the I other think, day. I, I think did. it's on Instagram. I think Handel did, did I grab did. my I junk. I think I've grabbed yeah. his wow. junk. I really have. And uh, But uh, Rich doesn't view that as a grope. He views that as an act of friendliness. <laughs> oh, boy. I but need affection. Yes. Hey, uh, speaking, uh, Rich, this story's for you. There's mm-hmm. some controversy over who the general manager of the Kansas City Royals is thinking about signing. Right now, this is a a pitcher, a baseball pitcher, and uh, he is at uh, Oregon State University right now. And the problem with this guy is apparently he was uh, he pleaded guilty to molestation back when he was 15 years old of his six-year-old uh, niece. And and this guy Heimlich is uh, a lot of controversy. Well, you know the the controversy is you know all major league sports teams in every sport are like they are. Very proficient at granting guys second, third, fourth, fifth chances. Daryl's uh, you primary. Know, you know, uh, it's unbelievable. Six yeah. times. If it's on drugs or even with this, if it's a, of abuse of a wife or domestic abuse, et cetera, very rarely do they not allow yeah. somebody a second. Uh, but this, I think, you know, when you're a teen, you're molesting a six-year-old. Yeah. I don't think, and I don't think Kansas City is going to end up signing this guy because it's going to be. It's, it's backlash. It's going to be too crazy. But even the them. gal who is uh, head of the Metro organization to counter sexual assault. It, by the way, is that sexist for me to use the word gal? Uh, she says that he should get his job because kids can be real rehabilitated. And it is, uh, today there's no such thing as rehabilitation, among other things. I mean, it really is crazy. Let's take a break, and uh, we'll come back and finish this up. Uh, this is KFI, Jennifer Jones. If I would have just laid my drink down and walked down, well, I wouldn't be in my truck driving us All right, I was just talking to Rich, I'm sorry, and then interrupted by this show, which drives me completely nuts. Okay. Uh, handle in the morning crew as we finish handle on the news. Uh, Jennifer Jones Lee, Rich Murata in for Wayne this week, and me. And a former graduate of Upland High School and Washington State, apparently, according to his parents, had CTE before he committed suicide. Now, to be fair, it was the early stages of CTE. He was only 21, and it usually takes many, many years. So his mother said, Did he have it? Yes. Uh, was that uh, the cause uh, of the suicide? Eh, probably not. But I think this proves that CTE uh, starts uh, affecting people who even begin yeah. playing football. Yeah, it's a football. It's a big problem for football, and uh, you just can't get yeah. around it. You cannot get yeah. around it. Well, and- I, I think the answer is professional flag football. Well, you, know, well, you have. I just don't not, think you're going to have those crowds of eighty thousand. Really? Not going to do it. Huh? But you have Brett Favre. I mean, he just came out what Friday, and he's got some new special where he is one of the cheerleaders for the Illinois ban or the hopeful ban for a lot of people that kids under twelve can't play tackle football. It well, has even, to be flag football. Uh, but even 
you know, high school kids yeah. nailed. And uh, it's not enough, Jennifer. It's not yeah. enough. Especially, I see these NFL players. I mean, they are a complete train wreck after their after their careers are over. Guys getting dementia and early onset Alzheimer's when they're fifty years old. I mean, it's crazy. Well, that's what Favre said. He said that he feels like he's had hundreds, if not thousands, of concussions over his lifespan, and it. that already he's seeing signs in himself of short-term memory loss. Yeah, and Junior Seau, of course, was the yes. linchpin oh, for yeah. this right. because shot he committed himself. suicide. Right. shot this. himself in the chest, and his family, uh, it started it with Junior Seau and, and his family very much in favor. You know, other sports are going to have to take a look at this. You know, hockey, yeah. it's a collision sport, right? Yeah. And believe it or not, chess, even soccer, Bill, yeah. even oh, because of the, the, oh, yeah, that the hard ball just, on the hitters. Just the hitters right. can do it. Chess. <laughs> they're they're going to well that's from banging your head against the wall yes yeah. well uh hijacking no just kidding crazy woman jet blue flight the the pilot oh no this was the radio communication problem yeah yeah the, the other story is a crazy woman the, story well yeah the pilot it, it, of this jet blue flight that was going from new york to lax he had a radio equipment problem, and he was trying to send to the tower, hey, I've got radio com- uh, communication issues, but instead sent them the coat for hijacking. So the plane gets swarmed by all of these cops go running out oh, there yeah, because yeah, they think brother. there's a hijacking. And it's they like, show oh, up. SWAT team bad. shows up on the airplane <laughs> and tells everybody, raise your hand. Did he do this by accident or totally was it a joke? Accident. Although he went on the intercom and said there were no problems. And uh, so people... Uh, weren't frightened of the SWAT team coming up and shooting the airplane up. No, they didn't. Okay, Here's now, the now crazy a crazy woman. woman, right? Yes, crazy woman outburst on an airline, a Spirit Airlines flight. That's it. It's go time. All right, she just flips out, starts going up and down the aisle, screaming at people, and so they arrested her when they came down. She's just a crazy woman. That's all. Yeah, I think you she know. just had a breakdown. Yep, it just happened to be on a plane. Yeah, here's a scarier one. Here's a guy who jumps onto the wing of a plane. After he scaled the fence at the airport in Atlanta. Yeah. Like that monster in Twilight Zone. Exactly. And you know, (laughs) by the way, do you know who played uh, the protagonist who was the star of that Twilight Zone episode? Uh, Captain oh, Kirk, William Shatner. Yes, no kidding. that was That's one right. of his first That's big right. roles. It was a it was a good one. It was. That became an iconic Twilight Zone. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so uh, in uh, this one, he scales the fence and then jumps on the wing and starts pounding on the passenger windows while he's standing. And video was taken by a passenger showing him sprinting across the tarmac in his underwear. Uh, and needless to say, uh, he's had some is- issues. I mean, it's it's a lot of uh, it's it's a lot of criminal violations here. But uh, he's just nuts. Wow, this is uh, some interesting stuff that was found in a World Cup trophy in the replicas in Argentina about cocaine and marijuana. Fake World Cup trophies filled with uh, marijuana cocaine. Narcos de la Copa. Apparently took advantage of the global merchandising boom. It's probably smart. I mean, who really would think? Yeah, yeah, to spread their drugs. Great souvenirs, you know, World Cup trophies. Makes sense. (laughs) Stick it down inside there. Nobody's going to notice. How about cocaine and heroin supplies, though, hitting record highs? Oh, yeah, we knew that. Globally. Yeah. Cocaine. And opioids, although here in the United States, it's uh, particularly exacerbated. We have the worst problem in terms of uh, the record highs, but still. 
Uh, drugs are going like crazy, and they're being sold all over the world more than uh, they are, than they've ever been before, and it's it's really depressing. All right, all right we're done with the depressing news. Uh, coming up, a really depressing story. Andrew Molenbeek updates us on the abused uh, young boy from Lancaster uh, who uh, died, and it's it's a tough one. Andrew's been following the case, and he'll share the latest news with us. KFI AM 640. So you can keep me inside the pocket of your ripped jeans. Holding me close until our eyes meet. You won't ever be alone. KFI handle here. It is, uh, whoa, uh, what a newsworthy Wednesday. And before we get to Andrew Molenbeek, who's covering the story of that 10-year-old boy in Lancaster who was abused and died last week. Andrew, hold on a moment because there is serious breaking news. Jennifer, what is it? The Supreme Court just ruled against big labor. This, of course, was the story that we've been watching about the Supreme Court decision this week involving whether unions and whether government workers had to be required to pay fees to unions, even if they aren't members. And the labor unions were just ruled against by the Supreme Court. Which uh, I think is a good decision. Because I always thought the labor unions uh, really have no business having the policy. Uh, too much control and forcing people to either join the union or pay the union dues if they didn't want to be in the union. Uh, so we'll talk more about that for sure. Matter of fact, I'm scrambling the order of our segments around because uh, that has to be talked about. Okay, now let's move uh, to this horrible story of the Lancaster boy who, uh, 10 years old, died last week. Andrew Molenbeek has been following this. Andrew, what's the latest on this story? Hey, good morning, Bill. And one of the things that the family members are waiting for is to see whether either the mother or the mother's boyfriend are going to be arrested. Now, it was one week ago right now that the, the head injury happened, and then 10-year-old Anthony Avalos died the following day. He died Thursday of last week. And the mother's story originally was that the boy had hit his head and nothing beyond that. But as we've heard over the last week from family members over the years, more than a dozen different reports of abuse, and they blame not only uh, the mother and her boyfriend, but also the, the system, the Department of Child and Family Services, for having been called so many times. And, and this uh, is Crystal Duguid. Uh, she's a sister of the mother, and she says social workers failed to take action when she had called at least three years ago. Obviously, we're calling for a reason. That child needed help. His siblings needed help. Again, I cannot say this enough. Something has got to change. And one of the frustrating things, particularly for people in the Antelope Valley, is that this case, uh, to them anyway, sounds so similar to Gabriel Fernandez, the eight-year-old boy who was abused and tortured and ultimately died as a result of that. Now, we don't have anything confirmed as to the cause of death, and that's likely why we haven't had any arrests at this point. We've talked to the sheriff's department. They're waiting on the autopsy uh, to see yeah. whether it was abuse that, that led to the, the death of Anthony. But that's why we haven't seen an arrest so far. All right, let me throw you a couple of questions. Uh, yeah. num number one is uh, the Antelope Valley, and I, I, don't, I don't have a map in front of me, part of L.A. County? Yes, it is. Okay, so uh, that's uh, that ex really exacerbates this issue because uh, after Gabriel Fernandez uh, had been murdered and tortured, uh, the promise was that L.A. County Social Services was going to change 
and here we have a situation that looks identical. Uh, right. And that's very bad news. Uh, also, isn't it unusual that it has been this long a time uh, before an autopsy re- re- report uh, has uh, or an autopsy results have been uh, have, have been given to us? I mean, yeah, it's it's usually it happens within 24 hours, doesn't it? Uh, it really depends on the case, especially if there's a hold on the case, if there's some sort of investigation, which there is in this particular one. So it's going to take a little bit longer. But uh, back to your question about the similarities between this one and Gabriel Fernandez several years ago, that really came up at the supervisor's meeting yesterday. And Supervisor Catherine Barger says uh, Anthony's death, she called it calls it a murder, even though we haven't gotten that far in the investigation. She calls it a murder, and she says it's way too similar to Gabriel Fernandez. And then she and the other board members yesterday called for a review of Child Protective Services because this happened again. You had teachers. You had family members. You had law enforcement come in contact. And yet, Anthony is now at the morgue. We're waiting for the autopsy findings, and we still have a situation up in the Animal Valley. Yeah, that's eerily familiar with uh, what the board uh, said exactly after the death of Gabriel Fernandez. So uh, our, we have not heard what changes were put into place and were those changes for some reason ignored. And the family really wants to know why after all of these reports over the years were the, the kids, and there were at least seven in the apartment complex, why the kids were never removed for any significant amount of time. The family tells me back in 2015, the kids were removed for two weeks. And uh, the mother anyway went through some parental training class, uh, but then she got the kids back. And uh, when you talk about a school administrator, a teacher, family members, neighbors reporting abuse, they're really confused as to how the kids were allowed to stay. One other thing that has come out uh, in talking with family members, which we did quite a bit during a custody hearing yesterday, is a little bit more about the boyfriend uh, who lived with this mother. And uh, he has a couple of kids with her as well. But according to the family, uh, he is a documented gang in the country illegally, that he came from El Salvador as a child and at various times he may have had a work visa but the family says that's expired so that kind of adds another level to this when they say he didn't have the legal right to be here and that he was according to the family an active gang member hey, he so hasn't been just a, he hasn't been yeah. picked up by ice yet well he hasn't been charged with a crime and that's generally uh, what we see is it's only after an arrest when they put a detainer on someone. They don't put detainers on people. Uh, but if they yeah. know if they know he is here illegally, ICE can come in and pick him up and detain him right now, even before charges, is the way I understand it. And uh, it's interesting that they uh, that it hasn't been done yet. Uh, I mean, this whole case uh, seems to me uh, very unusual from beginning to end. Oh, yesterday during the custody hearing, uh, was the mother arguing for custody of the other children? That was the belief that we had, but no one was allowed in the courtroom, ultimately. It. it ended up just being the mother, her boyfriend, and uh, one other father of one of her children. Uh, even aunts and uncles were not allowed in the hearing, and then the, the mother left court uh, with a hoodie uh, over her head, and we didn't get to, to really see her or talk to her, but the, the presumption was that they were hoping to get custody of the other kids. They did not, uh, so those other, at least six other kids, uh, are in other homes or foster care situations right now. All right, Andrew, thank you. All right, uh, coming up. Oh.
What a what a Wednesday it is. We're going to start with a California federal judge uh, ruling that uh, the government must reunite those kids with their families. We're talking about the 2,300 kids that at this point have been separated from their families and are still in detention. And uh, there's so much. So we'll talk about that case and then the big case that just came down where the Supreme Court ruled against the unions. And uh, we'll do that this morning, too. KFI, let's do it. I'll get through it, but I'm only human. And I when I fall down. I'm only human. All right, handle here on a Wednesday morning. Uh, and the uh, Supreme Court is coming down with a lot of decisions, but they always do at the end of June. Uh, that's when the decisions are handed down. Everybody awaits the end of June. Why? Because Supreme Court goes into its recess. I think July 1st uh, is when it goes in and comes back when? First Monday in October, as it always does. That's how the Supreme Court works. So the end of June is when all of these big, big cases are handed down. So uh, among the cases, the union ruling just came down, totally devastating unions, emasculating public service sector unions and i'm going to uh give you a little bit of history there because there shouldn't even be public service sector unions even to begin with they should never have been allowed at one point they weren't and i'll talk to you about that later on so now uh yesterday a uh federal uh district judge u.s district judge dana sobrow uh, and this is uh, i think out of san diego ordered the government to reunite uh, nearly all the children under age five with their parents within 14 days and the older kids within 30 days. And here is what uh, the court said. And this is exactly on point and one of uh, the the biggest complaints. And and I think this is legitimate, even people that are pro-Trump in the administration that the administration's actions, this is the judge, relating to separating families, uh, belie measured and ordered uh, governance. And uh, that's central to the concept of due process enshrined in our Constitution, uh, particularly in the treatment of migrants, many of whom are asylum seekers and small children. What the judge said, effectively, is that the decision to separate kids and the zero-tolerance decision may or may not be legal, but the problem is an order is issued, the consequences are not even considered when the Trump administration issues one of its orders. For example, no separation of families uh, three days after separation of families. We have to follow the law. We have no choice. And then three days later, the president signs an executive order saying there will be no separation of families. I mean, just total contradiction. And this happens time and again with this administration. And I don't care what side you're on. It's you cannot argue with the fact that this is that this administration uh, issues conflicting orders and takes conflicting positions all of the time. This is a shoot from the hip administration. And so if parents pursue asylum claims, 
Then they, uh, well, first of all, they're not separated now from their children. That's the new policy, uh, the one that, what, three days ago or last week you couldn't do, and this week you can. Uh, So that's a given. Now it has to do with the 2,300 kids that are separated from their families and are being held in detention. And usually they're held in detention and they can't be for longer than 20 days pursuant to law, which is why the separation takes place. And that is pursuant to uh, this Flores settlement going back to 1997. So this really is a lot of complicated stuff. So the government is spun around. Uh, They have to figure out a way of where to put these families. Because if someone is in federal detention awaiting an asylum hearing, which incidentally can take months, can take years, you know, they're backlogged half a million cases. How long do you think that takes? It could be as long as two years and uh, the people are held in detention. So what do you do? You take the kids and you put them in a federal, uh, uh, effectively a prison facility? Uh, No, they don't. And as soon as the kids have been separated and put into their own detention facility, then the government goes out and uh, tries to, and I mean aggressively tries to find family members out there in the United States Sponsors for those kids, does the government does everything it can to get the kids out of detention. Now, adding another wrinkle to this is the fact that in many cases, those family members are illegal in and of themselves. And it used to be that they weren't picked up for being illegal aliens if they were getting the kids out of these detention facilities. Well, now they're looking at those people being arrested because of zero tolerance. And uh, so the government is uh, fighting this like crazy, the Trump administration, uh, at least with the 2,300 kids at this point. I mean, it is a mess. So adding to this is a decision by U.S. District Judge uh, saying that uh, those kids have to be reunited with their parents within 14 days under the age of five and older children within 30 days And even though the Flores administration or the Flores uh, settlement says they only have 20 days and those and the kids have to be the families have to be found. This whole thing is totally screwed up. And the bottom line is that a federal judge now throwing uh, a legal uh, requirement into the works. I have to tell you, no one thought this out. The Trump administration did not figure out where these families Well, first of all, the separation wasn't a big problem. And now that separation for political reasons and optics reasons become a huge problem, what do we do with that? It's still zero tolerance. They haven't backed down on that one. Boy, what a mess that is. All right, coming up next, another Supreme Court decision that just came down this morning, maybe an hour ago, the news was released, and that is uh, the SCOTUS rules on federal uh, service sector unions just emasculated them. It's basically over for them. Uh, which is, I think, a good decision for sure. I'll explain why when we come back. KFI, let's check in with uh, Jennifer Jones. Even the stars, they burn. Some even fall to the earth. KFI handle here uh, is a Wednesday, a very important Wednesday, because uh, towards the end of the month, actually always at the end of the month in June, The Supreme Court uh, issues uh, its decisions uh, all in the, uh, basically in a week. Uh, 
uh, before it goes into recess and comes back when? First Monday in October. And so these are cases that have long been awaited, and uh, these are cases that are super important. And probably the most important one in term, uh, terms of its long uh, its long-ranging effect, long-term effect, is the one that just came down. Janice versus the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal County, or Municipal Employees Council 31. Uh, A-F-S-C-M-E. So that's uh, AFSCME is what we'll call it, okay? Janice versus AFSCME. Oh, that's uh, AFS. Ask, ask me. Okay. Now, uh, why is that so important? Well, public service employees uh, either had to join their union or had to pay the fair share or agency fees. And that was upheld by uh, law, federal law. And what does that mean? Well, the, the complaint always was uh, amongst those people that were not particularly unionists, and we're talking about uh, people that actually work for the government that fall under uh, the rules of uh, collective bargaining. And they said, listen, all right, you can't force me to join the union. And everybody says, okay, you're right. However, we can force you to pay what effectively our union dues, the fair share rules, because we as collective bargainers, the union, are arguing in your favor. When we cut a deal with government agencies, you get the benefit of that deal because it covers all the workers. And for you to get the benefit of that deal and not having to pay in like all the other union members, it simply isn't fair. What you're doing is piggybacking on our collective bargaining. And therefore, since we can't force you to join the union... We're going to simply force you to pay the equivalent of union dues, and you can do whatever the hell you want. And then there were a bunch of rules that winnowed that down. For example, uh, what what the argument was, since the union has a political viewpoint, you can't force me to pay money to you when you have a political viewpoint. You're forcing me to effectively have your political viewpoint. That's a violation of my rights. And so the court said, you're absolutely right. So what the court, uh, what the unions did is they separated out, saying uh, the fair share money that you give us is not going to go towards the political view, just the administrative costs of collecting bar- uh, the collective bargaining unit uh, and the overhead, et cetera. And what uh, Janice said, or the argument is saying, give me, come on, give me a break. But you're really going to separate those out. There is no separation. The union's position in a political sense is exactly the same as the union's position in collective bargaining. And the court ended up buying that argument. And why is it so sweeping? Why is it so important? Because it totally emasculates public service sector union. Because since an employee doesn't have to join the union, And since an employee of that agency uh, doesn't have to pay the fair share or agency fees, very few people are going to join. And they are going to take advantage of uh, the collective bargaining agreement that's made between the union and not have to pay for it. You know, people don't like paying for stuff they don't have to pay for. I mean, free stuff is great stuff. A 
especially in the world of radio. Free stuff is our mantra. Okay, repeat after me, Jennifer and Alex and John. Free stuff. Free stuff. Free stuff. Free stuff. Thank you. Well, no, you got to get more excited no, than that. But John doesn't get free. <laughs> Don doesn't. John doesn't get as much free stuff as we do. All right. So, all joking aside, I want to come back uh, and uh, why is it so uh, wide ranging, and what this actually means, and how this decision had to be made this way or should have been made this way, and the unions shouldn't even exist. I'll explain why when we return. Free stuff. Free stuff. KFI AM 640. Free news for you. Oh, what a segue, huh? Wow, that was good. Yeah, that's very good. All right, Jennifer Jones. Thanks for all you All right, handle here on a Wednesday morning. Supreme Court decisions coming down uh, end of July, end of June, which always happens. Uh, travel ban uh, upheld by the Supreme Court yesterday, and a massive one that came down this morning, just a little while ago. Uh, the Supreme Court uh, effectively emasculated uh, public service sector unions, uh, saying that non-union members, because remember, you you can't be forced to join a union, but someone who worked for a government agency that was covered by a union bargaining, uh, collective bargaining agreement, uh, they could uh, say, uh, we're, we're done. I don't want to pay you a dime. And the court upheld that because it used to be a fair share agency fees rule uh, where the union said, okay, you can, we can't force you to join, but since you're taking advantage of our bargaining, uh, we can force you to pay us the equivalent of the union dues. And uh, Mr. Janice who was a member of one of those unions, uh, said no, and he just won. Okay, now, why is it so important? Why is it this, this decision so important? Well, because this decision says that uh, if you work for an agency, if you're a public service sector employee, you can't be forced to join the union or pay uh, the fair share money. Which means that no one's going to join the union. Who's going to pay for it? And what's going to happen with the union? It's a little bit, it's really two-sided here. The union's going to say, once we disappear, which is going to happen because no one has to pay fair share anymore. Once we disappear, then you don't have our benefit. You don't have a union going in and arguing on behalf of the workers. Which means you're wide open for abuse, if you will. Uh, Benefits go down and uh, certainly the wages go down. And so, but here's the problem, the the basic problem with unions with the public service sector uh, area, that sector, is, do you know what used to be that people who worked for the government couldn't unionize at all? The premise was you get the benefits of a job that lasts virtually forever, you can't be fired, you, you get 8 billion holidays which we don't in the private sector and, and you get decent pay, even good pay. I mean, today it's gone the other way because it used to be people in government had uh, received less pay than uh, people in the private sector, but you gave up the unionization uh, and you gave up uh, some of the money, but you got more benefits and you certainly had job security. Okay. Fair enough. That was the trade-off. Well, that went out the window. 
And what ended up happening was that uh, the public service sector uh, employees were allowed to unionize. So now they get the benefit of both. So not only do they get jobs that last forever, not only do they get insane benefits, pay that is far more than what you get, and you pay for it. And so uh, Janice came in and said, you can't force me to pay that fair share. And if I take advantage of it, if, if you have a collective bargaining, that's okay. Congratulations. But you can't force me to join because you're a po- effectively you're a political organization. And so the uh, this court said, makes sense to me. See, I've always been against public service sector unions because it's just way too much power, way too many benefits. This is why we're bitching and moaning. I mean, what's going to break California counties and cities, of course, are the pensions. Guess who negotiated the pensions? The unions. What is one of the most powerful political organizations that exist in California? Prison guards unions, which is why trying to hire private companies to build and man prisons becomes almost impossible because the prison guards who make an average of a hundred and something thousand dollars a year don't want it because those companies, let's say you ship them out to Arizona where a company builds a prison, that's not unionized. So they'll pay prison guards $35,000 a year. Oh no, that's not going to happen. It's the power of the union. And so what used to make sense, and that is you give up your collective bargaining rights, no union, but here are all the benefits. So today, there are more benefits and pay than there's ever been. So you get all the benefits, more so, and you get a ton of money, and because you're unionized. And uh, I couldn't agree with the court more. You know what? Too bad. You can't have your cake and eat it, too. Oh, that's the other thing that uh, the union has negotiated. They get cake every week. They do have their cake and eat it, too. I don't know if that's true or not, but it sure sounds good, doesn't it? So I'm all for this. uh, I'm all for this decision. And the unions are, of course, screaming. And they've effectively been put out of business, their power. There used to be a time when unions were critical, when there was so much abuse where the worker was getting screwed so much. So out of that came the history of the union. Well, you know what? Those days are gone. That's buggy whip days. And then my favorite union story is, uh, when did it happen? I think it was, oh, 1981. And uh, the union, PATCO, which is the uh, uh, air controllers union, right? They went into it with President Reagan. You don't want to get into a fight with President Reagan. They wanted more benefits, uh, the president, because remember, they work for the federal government uh, as air traffic controllers. president said no. President Reagan said, you're dreaming. So they went on strike. The union went on strike. And President Reagan, that's the only time it's ever been done. But I love this story. That goes to show you, in my opinion, the greatness of this president. And he said to the unions, you have three days to come back to work, or I'm going to fire every one of you, every air traffic controller in this country. 
And, of course, the union president told uh, his members, you can't do that. You can't run uh, aviation without us. And so they went on strike. And the three days passed. Some members crossed the picket line. And so you know what uh, President Reagan did? Fired each and every one of those air traffic controllers and banned them from ever working again as air traffic controllers. You bet. Let me tell you how happy they were with the president of the union because they started working at uh, Starbucks when there wasn't the Starbucks. They lined up to be greeters at Walmart when there wasn't greeters at Walmart or there weren't greeters at Walmart. So the unions, the public service sector unions have been effectively emasculated, which they should be. Too much power. You know, the government employees get way too much relative to us. Our union is not strong enough. We don't work for the government. I don't get 26 days off for holidays. I mean, what holidays do government uh, workers get? Arbor Day, right? Yeah, Uh, they get, uh, what, Filipino Independence Day, you know, uh, remember the main day, uh, remember that when the main blew up in 1898 out in Cuba? Sunshine Day. Sunshine Day, very strong. First day of winter, very strong. Solstice Day, Equinox Day. I mean, it doesn't stop, does it? All right, coming up. Uh, the name, uh, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. Haven't heard the name. Uh, you will, I guarantee you. What a story this one is. This is politics, but on a really interesting level. And we'll be back with that. KFI AM 640. All right, KFI handle here on a uh, really busy Wednesday. Supreme Court issuing a a ton of decisions. One of them uh, against the unions, uh, the collective bargaining uh, unions. uh, Well, which is what unions are about. Public service sector unions, gone. Uh, you can't be forced to pay fair share. They, they can't force people to join, but they could face pe- uh, force employees to pay their fair share equivalent. Uh-uh, done. Uh, and the travel ban, which we're going to talk about a little later, uh, that has been upheld by the Supreme Court. And uh, as uh, Jennifer Jones-Lee just said, this is breaking too, just a few moments ago, uh, the uh, presidents of uh, Russia and the United States are going to meet. Trump and Putin are going to meet and uh, it looks like maybe Helsinki, Helsinki. it'll be a, a third country where they're going to meet. Certainly not the United States or uh, Russia. All right. So what happened last night? This is an interesting story and uh, it, a couple things uh, about this story. First of all, what is it? Well, a 28-year-old Hispanic woman uh, beat out... Uh, Representative Joe Crowley, this is for a district in New York, a very Democratic seat. Uh, He has been in uh, power uh, for 14 years as a congressperson. Democratic district, incumbent, they love him. Very difficult to throw out incumbents. And so she won. Okay, that's the backstory. This story is mainly about where... The Democratic Party is going, and the racial component of it, you really now, people are really now voting on racial terms, 
particularly Hispanics, uh, more so, no, all African Americans too, uh, for the most part. And the and Asians uh, are voting. You look at Asian districts uh, uh, in, uh, for example, Orange County. Andrew Doe, who is Asian, wins, and I think a good part of it was because he happens to be Korean. Now, so what happened in uh, this particular race? And here's the interesting part, I think, is that Joe Crowley, who represented the district, is, uh, any way you describe it, liberal. It's a Democratic district. He is liberal. Uh, He has consistently received ratings of 100% from narrow, uh, uh, zero rates or zero uh, ratings from the National Right to Life Committee. He's obviously uh, pro-choice in a big way. In 2011, he opposed a bill that would ban taxpayer funding for abortions. He's in favor of uh, allowing taxpayer money for abortions. Matter of fact, uh, in 2010, he was endorsed by Planned Parenthood. And so he is very pro-choice. He is also a liberal in the sense that he is very pro-national health, Obamacare. He supports federal spending as a way to increase economic growth. He advocates tax increases on the highest tax brackets. He wants wealthy people to pay. Tax cuts for the middle class, which I love because the middle class really doesn't pay for the United States anymore. It used to be the middle class was the engine where the economy of the United where the economy in the United States was concerned. That's gone. Now it's the top 20% of earners who are paying the whole thing. He wants to reduce defense spending. So in a primarily democratic district, a liberal Democrat in the primary gets bounced by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Why? If incumbents generally win... Very difficult to toss out an incumbent. How does a guy who is reasonably, as a matter of fact, he's won consistently over the years, how is it, how is it that he loses? Uh-huh. I think there's an answer there. Matter of fact, there are several answers there. And I'll share that with you when we come back. But first, let's check in the general. Friends from the fields of Very busy Wednesday as the Supreme Court has issued a bunch of decisions. Uh, one of the most important one is upholding the travel ban. Uh, the one that I think is the most important is uh, the union uh, decision whereby uh, union members or non-union members of uh, public service sector unions uh, do not, number one, have to be members of the union, which has always been the case, uh, and they don't have to pay their fair share uh based on what the union does for their benefit. It's, uh, well, uh, bottom line, unions are now emasculated. Public service sector unions are emasculated, and it couldn't happen to nicer people. I'm totally in favor of what the court did. All right, now, as I was talking uh, to you in the previous segment, a uh, primary decision made last night, primary election, uh, there was this uh, Hispanic woman, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, 
beat out Representative Joe Crowley for his seat in a primarily Democratic district. And Crowley is a super liberal. So how did he get tossed? Especially when uh, Ocasio-Cortez is a socialist. Or she's a member of the Socialist Party, and I don't know how much more liberal she can get other than, you know, maybe not just taxing the rich, but just taking away all their money. Nationalizing businesses, shipping everybody to Venezuela. See, that'll teach you. I I don't know how much more liberal she can get. Crowley is tax the rich, pro-Obamacare, national health. Uh, He is less money, uh, believes in less money for defense. I mean, right down the line. Well... I think this shows the polarization of this country, and that is, this is the Bernie Sanders movement, where the Democrats, the Democratic Party is about to be co-opted by the left wing, much like the Republican Party has been completely co-opted by the far right. So you talk, can you imagine the polarization that is going to occur when the far left has the Democratic Party, the far right has the Republican Party, I mean, it'll be like, it's going to be like Congress in Taiwan where they beat each other. You've seen those videos? They literally beat each other up in in Congress over there. I mean, chairs are thrown. It's it's going to be very entertaining. And then the other reason is uh, that she is Hispanic. And the district is 50% Hispanic, 18% white, 16% Asian, 11% blacks. And so what does that mean? We vote ethnically. Black districts vote black representatives. Hispanics, I'm surprised that uh, Crowley, a white guy, even lasted as long as he did. And I think one of the reasons are traditionally Hispanics don't vote. Not nearly in the numbers that whites vote, and particularly retired people vote. Oh, You don't screw with retired people. Social Security, Medicare, why? Because they are so powerful that you just, that's the gun lobby. You're really going to go against the gun lobby? How? You're never going to win. And the same thing goes for a Hispanic district now because Hispanics are now starting to vote in numbers. And so this is what's happening is... The Democratic Party is swinging to the left, or even to the point where super liberals are going to lose to super, super liberals. And that's exactly what happened uh, in the, the primaries uh, on the Republican side. And that's what we're seeing. And then the thought of, in a Hispanic area, the thought of a non-Hispanic representing a district is out the window. Case in point, Maxine Waters who represents a black district, she will never be tossed out. She wins by enormous numbers, and it doesn't matter how crazy she is. She's out of her mind, Maxine Waters. But it's her district. And she is clearly a super liberal. She pushes for black issues, which makes sense. She is an African-American, and at the forefront in her mind are issues that relate to and affect her constituency, which is the case. Much like farmers have their representative, their senators who represent their districts. Colorado, senator from Colorado, told President Trump in no uncertain terms, he's a Republican, 
If you ever, ever want my support for anything, again, you leave marijuana alone. Colorado, marijuana, which is why the government is leaving marijuana alone. So there's politics to all of it, clearly. We've always known that. But I am stunned that, excuse me, that someone who is actually a member of the Socialist Party wins a primary as against someone who is a super liberal in a liberal district in New York. And you go, wow. But I think the primary reason is we want a Hispanic in our district. It's just that simple. Today, uh, in Southern, Southern California, what do you think the advantage is to being a Hispanic? I understood Villaraigosa winning. That's a given. But Garcetti? Garcetti is an Italian Jew. Boy, there's a contradiction in terms right there. So those are the politics. You're going to see more and more of this. Incidentally, she is a member, Ocasio-Cortez is a member of the Democratic Socialists of America. And not only did it help her win the primary, it's helped uh, the campaigns of dozens of outsider candidates running what they call progressive platforms. See, you can't even use the word liberal anymore because uh, it has to be progressive, right? For example, Tea Partiers now uh, are the Freedom Caucus because you can't say Tea Party. Uh, just I see the politics. We talk about polarization. It's happening right in front of us. And it's happening more and more. Okay, that's one down. We'll see how many in the general election. Coming up, handle on the news, late edition. KFI AM 640, Jennifer Jones. Handle on the news, late edition. Handle on the news. He's way too cocky. I'm sorry. There's nothing humble about him. I, 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 I speak for everybody when, when I say that nobody gets a good vibe off of the guy. And now, here's Bill Handel. All right, Handel here. It is a uh, Wednesday morning. Oh, boy. What a Wednesday with the Supreme Court coming down with some major decisions, which it does around this time every year. Oh, good God. Uh, when uh, just before the court goes into recess and comes back, when? First Monday in October. Oh, okay. Oh, Rich forgot his headset. Excellent. Well done, Rich. All right. Uh, let's do it. Handle on the news late edition, uh, Jennifer Jones Lee, uh, the guy over here who just ran out of uh, the doorway uh, looking for headset. He's new. Uh, he's back. And uh, me, lead story. Pay me my money down. Story that I did uh, the last couple of segments. Uh, the Supreme Court deals a very sharp defeat to public union, public employee unions. And this has to do with uh, mandatory fees uh, in which uh, public service sector unions demanded that anybody who got the benefit of their collective bargaining certainly can't be, to, uh, can't be forced to join the union, but they can and are forced to pay these fair share uh, fees equivalent to union dues because uh, they're getting the benefit of uh, the agreement. And the court said, nope, you're done. 
can't do it. And that means uh, that the unions, well, it really is going to be, it's a huge hit in the unions. It may even be the death knell of uh, public service sector unions. So and it was what, a fundamental free speech right, right? Yeah. And what was the score in this one? 5-4. Five, 5-4? Four. Five, four. Yeah, your normal 5-4. Right along all ideological <laughs> lines. I Absolutely. tell you, I think the Supreme Court, from what I'm seeing, with all these a slew of 5-4 yeah. scores, yeah. is going to be... It, going to be as polarized as the country oh wait wait until ruth bader ginsburg goes into her assisted living facility matter of fact she may be living in one now she's not going to go man she's (laughs) going to try to hold on that's exactly right possible because if she goes well if donald trump trump wins second go round man we're going to have a court that is going to go back like as in the 1890s Not, not necessarily let me throw a scenario at you uh, Dems are successful in the fall this year. Right. Right. Do they do then what Mitch McConnell did in single-handedly blocking Merrick Garland, this singular guy stopping the president of the United States nomination for the Supreme yeah. Court? And I, but they the can't Democrats go, could do that to the, Repu- to the they, Republicans and Trump. They couldn't go on for four years. No, not for four See, years, but they could do one year. They if could it's do, next year. Well, or, it or, depends. No. They or the year it, after. They couldn't do it the first year, second year out. The only reason that Merrick Garland was, uh, was held up is because it was Obama's last six months. Right. And you can't do you can't argue that year one. But what if and that's not year one. I'm saying if, if it's Trump's fourth year in office, right? right? Let's say right. uh no, it's true. In, and he could in early twenty twenty he Absolutely. tries to nominate somebody. Okay, that would probably be held up. And that's assuming the Democrats have the Senate. Right. If the Democrats don't have the Senate, it's over. That wouldn't be that hard to obtain. I mean, that's we'll you're see. talking only two votes. Then. We'll see. How old do you think Ruth Bader Ginsburg is? 83? Nope. 84? Nope. 85? Yep. I thought the next one was going to be 112. <laughs> She's got plenty of time. <laughs> yeah. The White House and the Kremlin are going to have a little sit down. Come together. They agree. Hold the summit between uh, Vladimir Putin and President Donald Trump. And uh, Donald Trump, uh, the great negotiator, and Vladimir Putin is going to clean Ugh. his clock. Oh, the bromance continues. Uh, yeah. Trump so? and Putin. Yeah. Now, uh, while this is going on, the sanctions are still going on. Again, this is a case where the president, he just shoots out from his hip. And he talks about what a great guy Putin is and how he can talk. And, uh, and everybody goes, oh, my God, look at that. He loves uh, Putin. Uh, terrible. The sanctions are still in place. He's never taken away a sanction. Matter of fact, he's added some. So uh, we'll see what happens. But you, you know what's the most inconceivable to me? Is like all of a sudden Bolton is like, you know, first off, he's there in North Korea yeah. at, at the, those negotiations or whatever you'd want to call them over there with uh, Trump over in North Korea. And now, basically, it was his meeting. Yeah, he over met there with he met with Putin. That sets this that sets this up. Right. All right, super hawk. By the way, John Bolton. National yeah, that's Security what I'm Advisor. talking about. Super super hawk. Yep. Police in Sherman Oaks led a guy away from a motel in handcuffs after a five-hour standoff. Yep. Guy was a robbery suspect. Happened early, early this morning. But about five thirty, they threw some tear gas in there, got yeah. the guy out. The 777 Motor Inn, uh, I used to work around the quarter. Uh, uh, there is no SWAT officer on this planet that would actually go into the 777 Motor Inn. 
was a very colorful I mean, group of lot, people. A lot of cooties there. You know, you it's you know, you walk in, STDs walk out with you. It's no. a very tough place. It was just we were we were enjoying watching as the people were being evacuated this yeah. morning. It was like, wow. Yeah. All right. Uh here's another barricade situation. This one in Silmar, but this time the alleged murderer was inside. Hold up with a four year old kid. No connection between the two. But anyway, he uh, it was a warrant again being served. And uh, the SWAT team shows up. They weren't able to talk to him. And uh, so the negotiators were negotiating with each other. And uh, he comes out and arrested without incident. So that ends up well. Uh, the cop in Pittsburgh has been charged with criminal homicide now in the shooting of 17-year-old Antoine Rose. Yeah, this was uh, a tough one. Uh, this was a traffic stop in uh, which Anton, uh, uh, Antoine was a passenger in a car that the authorities suspected being involved in an earlier shooting. And so uh, the cops stopped the car. Roosevelt, uh, the was one of the two car uh, cops, stopped the car. Antoine starts running away, and he gets shot. Uh, and I'm assuming in the back, although it hasn't said specifically he was shot in the back. Just says the torso. At yeah, this point. and he was running away when he was shot, and he was killed. And the only way that a cop can ever pull out a gun and use it and use lethal force is if he is in reasonable fear of his life or someone else's life. And it's pretty hard to argue that someone running away from you who apparently does not have a weapon because there's been no argument that he thought Antoine had a weapon, and and he didn't. Uh, certainly on him, he didn't. And uh, he was shot in the back. This, no. Is this the cop that was on his first day of duty? Yeah, but he had been a cop. In yeah. other, he had, it's just first exactly. day of duty in this police force. Oh, I got you. Yeah, he had been a cop for eight or ten years. And, of course, there were uh, all kinds of protests. But here's what I think protests uh, don't do much anymore, because the police are very aggressive about prosecuting these officers who do this. I mean, they're all over it. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to even go the other way, that the police are aggressive, and it's the DAs that are a little reluctant, and juries are even more reluctant and it seems to nail like officers. The attorney for Antoine Rose's family is saying just that. They're saying, hey, why wasn't this guy actually arrested nine days ago or whatever it happened to be? And they're not going to do that. They're not going to do that because there has to be some kind of investigation. Sure. I mean, what do you do? Do you inve- Do you even investigate whether uh, Antoine had a weapon on him? You have to. Do you start, a- and witnesses, do you not even talk to those people? You have to. You just arrest him right there. All right, we're going to come back and finish up Handle on the News Late Edition. Jennifer Jones-Lee. It is a uh, Wednesday, a lot of Supreme Court cases having come down this morning, and one we are going to cover at 9 o'clock, the travel ban. Uh, So the president, uh, his travel ban uh, stays uh, put. If you're a Muslim and you're coming from, uh, insert name of Six Nations here, you are out of luck. It's just that, how do you say SOL in Arabic? SOL. Uh, Yeah, pretty much. All right, uh, let's do it. More handle on the news. Are we finished handle on the news? Late edition. Jennifer Jones Lee, 
uh, Rich Murata, also known as Ricky. Rich Murata in for Wayne Resnick this uh, week and me. Speaking of unions, the LAPD union wants more time before body cam footage is released. Police and uh, at first, it, when you look at it, it, well, they have an argument. The problem is it's a question of timing here. Uh, right now, the uh, department's uh, release date is within 45 days of an incident, and the union is saying, you know what, that may be way too quick. And uh, the union, this is a great line from the union. This is not an NFL game where there's 100 different camera angles and millions of dollars on the line. It's our members risking their lives and it's one point of view. We'd like a complete investigation done before uh, anything is really put out into the public. Well, then we go back to the uh, philosophy or the policy of the LAPD that video cam is never released until it's all over and done. Seems and like 45 days is enough time to I would get think your so. story straight. I would think it would be within 45 days. And I think there could be some exceptions uh, where it is uh, an extraordinarily complicated investigation. Uh, but if you're talking about a single body cam, body cam footage in which uh, someone is obviously shot and killed uh, and there are no other views. And, for example, the body cam starts at the moment the shooting takes place and it doesn't show what happened immediately prior to that. Well, the community goes crazy. Look at the crazy. Look at the shooting. But is there a backstory? Are there extenuating circumstances? It, was the shooting legitimate? For example, and it could it could be. Hey guys, uh, TMZ is reporting Joe Jackson has died at the age of eighty nine. The father of all Michael the Jacksons. Jackson. Oh, yep. And death. Yeah. He yeah. was, uh, I think, admitted to the hospital earlier this month with terminal cancer. And uh, his family had been with him for yeah. most of the month. So, if, if Michael Jackson were alive, he would not be going to the funeral. Uh, the, those two, I mean, he beat them, right? I mean, oh yeah, oh yeah, it was brutal. Michael Jackson had a, a horrible childhood, and uh, it was. Uh, I mean, if you, you read the biographies of Michael Jackson, what Joe Jackson did is unconscionable as a father. Uh, there were a number of shootings, five, in fact, at and near that park in Malibu where a father was killed over the weekend. So a lot of people are saying, why didn't authorities alert the public until now? Like going back to 2016, yeah. various incidents. Right, And they're, they're saying they're not connected. Some uh, one was a pellet gun, for example. And how many other parks have had shootings in and around the parks? Over the course of uh, a couple of years, three years, and we don't know the answer to that. But and they haven't increased uh, security at the at this outdoor activity oh, they've closed area. It down. Oh, they've closed it down. At this point, they you closed can't, it you down can't, now. Yeah, you can't but... get in. No, they didn't have increased security. But this could Oof. be such an aberrational, crazy story that it's one of those no one had any idea it was coming, and you could have had three officers uh, around uh, that park. Uh, there's a House immigration bill that apparently will not include a mandate on checking employees' legal status. That should be voted on today. I was under the impression that the E-Verify was law. For example, you get hired here, the first thing that they want to do is see your birth certificate or your passport, or you're not working here yep. at iHeart. Uh, even when they came aboard and uh, bought, when uh, Bain bought, iHeart. Well, at that time it was uh, it was Clear Channel, and they you had to bring in your. I had to bring in my passport. If I didn't bring it in, you're gone. After you'd already been working here. Yep. 
after I've been working here for 20 years. That happened to me, too. The first time I got hired by HBO to do a boxing match uh, on uh, pay-per-view. I had to send them uh, all of that, passport stuff, everything. Yep. Unless the show is Jose Jimenez. Remember him? Yes. My name, Jose, Jose Jimenez. Jimenez. I am an astronaut. Yes. Okay. I don't know why, why I went in that direction, but I did. Makes no sense. Okay. We are done, guys. And uh, coming up, uh, one of the decisions that was uh, that was released today by the Supreme Court is the travel ban. The president finally got his travel ban, and we'll explore that for a few minutes. And then uh, 9.30, the house whisperer, Dean Sharp, the wonderful world of color. Remember when that came into being? A little history there, too. KFI AM 640. A rather important Wednesday, Supreme Court handing down major decisions, uh, the union decisions, uh, just emasculated unions, uh, the travel ban decision. I'm going to tell you about that right now. And uh, President Trump's final attempt at a travel ban, this is his third go-round, has been upheld. His ban on foreign visitors and immigrants uh, from mainly Muslim countries has been upheld. And what a shocker, 5-4 vote. Every single decision that came down this morning was a 5-4 vote. Went right down, quote, party lines, even though they're not uh, members of the party. But there are certainly conservative and liberals. And uh, what the judges uh, did, the justices did, is uh, they bolstered, they upheld the chief executive's power to control the borders. And the argument that Trump had overstepped his presidential authority and targeted Muslim-majority countries that have violated the Constitution's ban on religious discrimination, uh, the majority simply didn't buy it. No. Nope. Uh, why? And essentially, I don't think uh, they didn't believe that there was some anti-Muslim animus there. The problem is it has to be solely anti-Muslim animus or uh, or religious discrimination. And uh, what Chief, uh, Chief Justice uh, John Roberts said for the court, he wrote the opinion, for more than a century, this court has recognized the admission and exclusion of foreign nationals, a matter for the president and Congress, and is largely immune from judicial control. And he went on to say, foreign nationals seeking admission have no constitutional right to entry. Don't talk to us about a constitutional right if you're a foreigner and you want to come into the United States. No. And uh, here is the point. He said, the president and Congress. Congress has already dealt with this. There is a law on the books and it is, uh, it's an immigration law that was passed by Congress. And Roberts pointed out to one provision in the law that says a president may suspend the entry of any class of aliens if he believes they would be detrimental to the interests of the United States. And after a multi-agency review, the president lawfully executed this, this uh, discretion. This was, uh, the case was Trump versus Hawaii, uh, because Hawaii had won in the lower court. And so that's what the court said. Now, prior to that, 
the issue was, was it solely anti-Muslim? Because it was only Muslim countries that were put on that list of the travel ban in which uh, citizens or nationals of those countries couldn't come into the United States under any circumstances. And the courts had previously ruled, and this is what the four minorities, Sotomayor and Kagan, etc., so they cited Trump's campaign pledge to enact a total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States. So Sotomayor said, based on the evidence uh, in this record, a reasonable observer would conclude the travel ban was motivated by anti-Muslim animus and it in tr- turning a blind eye to the pain and suffering that inflicts upon countless families and individuals, uh, many of whom are United States citizens because they are uh, say married to, well, not married to, but let's say uh, they are related to uh, people coming in from those countries or attempting to come in. Uh, so therefore, it inflicts pain on those people. Hey, there's a big too bad on that one. Okay, so it inflicts pain. Next. There's nothing that says the president can't do that. Senate Majority Minority Leader Charles Schumer, Schumer said, the president's travel ban doesn't make us safer. Next. If he thinks it makes us safer, guess what? Senator Schumer, your opinion doesn't count. Because... Wait a minute. You're not the president, are you? And the Supreme Court's ruling doesn't make it right. Oh, it may not make it right, but it certainly makes it law. So this is uh, where the argument of the minority went. And the only argument they had that made any sense, which is what the lower courts upheld, is that the ban was based solely on Muslims because they were Muslims. So how does... President Trump unravel that one. Well, he adds a couple of non-Muslim countries and says, you see, because we have Venezuela, we have North Korea that are not Muslim. I now am arguing that it's a question of national security. And if the majority of those countries happen to be Muslim, okay, then the majority of those countries happen to be Muslim. Next And so uh, keep in mind that the president, uh, and this is a presidential order, has broad authority. You have to go a long way before a presidential decree within the law is shut down. And that was the argument that it was so discriminatory that was based on religious discrimination solely. That's it. Nothing more. And the president was able to take uh, those, uh, those decisions, the lower court decisions, and say, okay, I'll deal with it. I'm going to change it. And that's exactly what happened. Upheld. Now, when we come back, uh, there's a case that I want to share with you, Korematsu versus the United States, uh, which was mentioned in the decision. And it goes back a long, long way, actually World War II. And you'll know what happened. And there, it's an official overturning of a case going back to World War II. And I'll share that story with you when we come back. And don't forget, at 9.30, it's uh, the House Whisperers here, Dean Sharp. KFI AM 640, and there's Jeff. I don't want to lose you now. I'm looking right Handle here on a Wednesday morning. Oh, man, what a Wednesday. Supreme Court, bunch of rulings. Uh, and uh, one of them, the unions. So uh, that's uh, 
Public service sector unions uh, emasculated. Big decision. Uh, the other big decision was the travel ban that has been upheld. Donald Trump's travel ban. I talked about that in the last segment, and I went through the whole thing. Go through the podcast if you're all interested. And I, it, I thought I made sense. Strangely enough, now in the decision on the ban, which was uh, written by Chief Justice Roberts. A, uh, a very interesting part of the decision, and that is the Korematsu case, Korematsu versus the United States, uh, which still law, uh, the justices overturned it. That's it. Officially, it's gone. And what was it about? Well, during World War II, the uh, president of the United States, remember that uh, we had gone to war with Japan. Japan had attacked the United States Pearl Harbor. So in 1942, uh, President Roosevelt issued an executive order that permitted the military to exclude any and all persons from militarily sensitive areas to prevent espionage and sabotage and house them in internment camps. And the military decided that all people of Japanese ancestry, including American citizens, be removed from the West Coast, feeling that the entire West Coast was at risk. So Fred Korematsu, an American citizen, refuses to leave. And he was convicted of disobeying a military order. And the ACLU, yeah, they were, they've been around since, uh, what, the turn of the last century, appealed the verdict to the Supreme Court. The court voted 6-3 to three to uphold the internment policy as a justified national security measure and the wartime emergency. And Roberts di- differentiated between the two. The travel ban, the president on national security, uh, on a national security basis, is allowed to say no to foreign nationals coming into the country. This case was American citizens and people of Japanese ancestry being put in internment camps, arrested while they're in the country, legally. And... Uh, In 1982, a congressional committee called this a grave injustice that stemmed from race prejudice, absolutely, war hysteria, absolutely, and a failure of political leadership going all the way up to the President of the United States. In 1988, Congress passed a law signed by President Reagan providing $20,000 in reparations to each survivor of those camps. And... uh, even Justice Scalia, a dozen years later, uh, invoked Korematsu, calling it one of the most notorious, uh, notorious mistakes of the court. There were some big, bad decisions this court made. Uh, some very shameful, uh, very shameful episodes that the court upheld. Uh, one, the Dred Scott case, effectively saying that uh, blacks uh, were property. It's that simple. Uh, Plessy versus Ferguson. 1896, I think, or 1898. Uh, this is a case where that established separate but equal. You can treat the races separately, but they have to be treated equally. Well, there was plenty of separation. Equality, not so much. Because if you, if you went to the South, you've seen those pictures in the 50s, separate but equal. And uh, there were the pictures, for example, of the drinking fountains, whites only and then colored. And if you looked at these nice modern drinking fountains on the white part and then a water line going to this old filthy sink that was the colored, quote, uh, drinking fountain, there was no such thing as separate uh, but equal. That didn't exist other than the separate part. 
So uh, it is one of the truly most shameful episodes. Why hasn't it been overturned? Well, because uh, after World War II, and obviously the United States quickly recognized that, oh, okay, this was not good, there was never a case. There were never any Japanese that were in internment that could bring up a case saying, I want out. There was in 1942, but not after the war. So uh, Justice Roberts took the opportunity in this case to formally overturn the Korematsu case, arguing that that was one of the most horrendous episodes and one of the most horrendous decisions of the Supreme Court. And why is that? Because, quote, for national security reasons, every Japanese was put into a camp for fear of sabotage. There was not one act of sabotage or espionage among the hundreds of thousands of Japanese that were put into camps. Not one. The Japanese were literally as American as you and I are. Now, Germans, on the other hand... Man, riddled with spies and espionage. When it, it was, those were tens of thousands of Germans, the, the German-American Bund, a Nazi organization. Nobody was putting camps on that one. Why? Well, there's an argument that Germans look like us. Right? They're white people, and they look just like us. In the meantime, the German-American Bund uh, members all had these little mustaches over their lips and were throwing their arms up in the air and ziegheiling, and even the women were doing that. And they had great mustaches. So the point I'm making, and uh, is something that's fairly easy to understand, is, number one, it was truly shameful what we did because it was braced solely on race, 100%, and it was war hysteria and true American citizens were put into uh, that were put into these camps. Very different than the president saying, "We're not going to let foreigners come into our country because of security reasons." Incidentally, doesn't matter whether they're really valid or not. It's the president's call. You can disagree all you want, but unless it is purely religious reasons and nothing else, president has a right travel ban. Upheld. Coming up, Dean Sharp, the House Whisperer, right here, KFI, and there. <laughs> Dean Sharp, the House Whisperer, right here, presents. which we're going to talk about today with Dean Sharp. There it is. Yeah, and uh, this segment of uh, The House Whisperer and Me, sponsored by Sunlux, the official solar company of us. Dean and moi, the best value in solar, dial pound 250 on your cell and say Sunlux. Did you know that I wrote and sang that intro? Uh, Yeah. That's me. I just no. did that yesterday. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Sounds like you, doesn't it? It does. All right. Uh, the wonderful world of color. And I don't usually think of color other than your normal eggshell, which is what I I always default to. What color That's your walls? answer. Eggshell. Eggshell. Yeah. Eggshell white. It's the most neutral of all colors. And, you can, <laughs> and it's the most bland. It's, it's mayonnaise on white bread. All right. So here's the deal. We've got two segments. Second segment, we're going to get into some 
solving some problems. But the first one here, I just want to have some fun. I'm going to give you a color quiz. Got it. Okay. Because, and by the way, this is this Sunday show, is okay. The Wonderful World of Color. Actually, I'm actually naming it Color Problems because let's just get right to the heart of it. People have issues with color. It's all around us. It's been around us our whole lives. And yet, it remains one of the least understood and this possibly the single most problematic thing when it comes to designing your home. People just really struggle. And it's with, an easy fix if with, you have the wrong color. Yeah. Because it's paint. But, but it's really hard to get it right. Okay. I mean, it's really, you really appreciate a great interior decorator when you start to try and work out your own color palette on your own. Right. But it can be done. So here's the thing. First of all, Bill Handel. Yes, that's me. What is color? Eggshell white. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? It's uh, sunlight gone through a prism. Are we talking about the scientific aspect I'm of just, color? I'm just saying, just what is color? I mean, it's, how would you describe color? It if, is white if, light that is uh, that is actually comprised of uh, various colors. But there we go. Now we're begging the question. Right. What is color? I don't know. Other... You know, okay, you got me. I so just here's would have the, lost on Jeopardy. Color doesn't actually exist uh -huh. in the real world, in the physical universe. It is our brain's way of interpreting different wavelengths of light, different frequencies of light. Apart from that, and that's why yeah. different creatures see color in different ways, because so, it's not a fact right. of the universe. All right, so now, if we did a poll right now of everybody that's listening, mm -hmm. how many people you think would give a rat's ass for what you just said? I don't know. Hopefully a lot of people. Very few. All right, well, let's just stop, okay. because it needs to be a lot. Okay. People need to care. Okay. So, okay, there's a scientific basis. There's a science. All right. Okay. So all right, so we'll get real pedantic. What's the world's most popular color? Eggshell white. Negative. Uh, I would guess. You know, just come on. I would guess blue. You're right. Okay. Forty percent. Most surveys done. Forty percent. Probably has something to do with the fact it's a that sky. Every time you look up, <laughs> it's there. It is, and that it's very comforting. Uh, what is the first color that a baby can oh, see? That's interesting. The very first color that a baby can see. You know, parents are running out and they're decorating their I nurseries. Would guess, I and, would guess red only because it, it can be so stark as against everything else. Well, that's not the reason why, but you're right. Red okay. is the very first color because, science, it has the longest wavelength. Okay. Red is all the way over at one end of the color spectrum. Okay, now we're talking about physiology. Then. The longest wavelength of light is is the easiest to see by young developing uh, photoreceptors in the eye. So red is okay. the very first color that a baby can see. Um, so if red is the longest wavelength, what's the shortest? It would be indigo. Close. We don't call it indigo, though. Teal. It's all the way at the other end of the spectrum. Eggshell. <laughs> Violet. Violet. Well, that's violet. what I meant. Violet. violet. It's the same. It, by the way, violet and indigo are interchangeable. Actually, no. Yes, but, it, okay. well, let's go with that. Here they are. For you, they are. Uh, violet is the very end of the color spectrum on the other end. Af after violet comes what we can't see, which is ultraviolet. Just like after red comes infrared on the other side. Uh, like us, bees... You know I keep bees. Let's not get into that. But right. 
Bees have what's called trichromatic color, meaning that the photoreceptors in their eyes are set for three different colors, just like ours are. Ours are set for red, green, and blue, RGB. That's why you hear RGB talked about on flat screen TVs and all of that kind of stuff. Bees, though, they are set for UBG, ultraviolet, blue, and green. Bees can't see red. Oh, interesting. They cannot pick up red. They have a wider photospectrum than we do, but they can't pick up red. They can see ultraviolet, which means when bees look at a field of flowers, they see a fantastic view of flowers that we actually can't pick up. And the reason that hummingbird feeders are red is because hummingbirds are attracted to red flowers. And the reason they're attracted to red flowers is that they have learned over the years, because they're competing for the same nectar in flower that bees are, they've learned Bees can't see red. Bees ignore red flowers. So hummingbirds go for red flowers. How cool is that? Right? Yeah, no, it's uh, that was fascinating. I like that. All right, who sees red better, men or women? Angry people. Uh, <laughs> I would guess, that's a wild guess. I mean, I really, that's just a flip of a coin. I'll say women. You're right. Yeah, but that was just. You're like 100 percent today. Yeah, I know, but that was just. I that was no reason. The for reason that. again is physiological. Because they're angry more often. No, the 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 gene that determines uh, red as a color sits on the X chromosome. Women have two. We only have one. So as a general rule, women see more variations. They see crimson, burgundy, tomato red, all that. And you and I, we just tend to see red all right let's take a break and go into uh a little more practical yeah now we're going practical yeah let's uh home design color problems we'll be right back dean sharp the house whisper right here on kfi am walt disney presents On a uh, Wednesday morning, June 27th. Hey, uh, this just came in before we go back to uh, the House Whisper Dean, where we're going to talk about color problems at home. And uh, I just was handed a photo of the 110 freeway. It's been shut down completely. And there is a guy standing up on the sign where uh, there's a little walkway. A little catwalk thing. Yeah, those little catwalks yeah, over just, the freeway sign. Yeah, just this, uh, on the freeway sign, and he is up there, uh, and he, I guess he's putting banners on. Hopefully they say, please arrest me. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> and so the freeway shut down. There are people around all screaming jump, uh, <laughs> hundreds of people. They've got, the fire department's got inflatables on the bottom just in case he does fall. Oh, my God. Why? Why spend the money? <laughs> Oh, yeah, because you have to clean it up. No, I get that. I don't know why when someone does that, they just don't take a, a big fire hose and just hose off the freeway. Okay, let's just move on. That's why you're not the uh, fire chief of L.A. Uh, that's why I'm never going to win a humanitarian award. Actually, I have. I have to tell you that story. I have actually won a humanitarian award. Won or bought? Uh, one. Oh, okay. One. All yeah, right. my uh, law school um, alumni association handed me a humanitarian award a bunch of years ago. All right. Uh, was it yours? What do you mean? Yeah. They, they just handed you a humanitarian no, no, award no, 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 accidentally. No. I was the first one. It's a great story. It I was intended for a guy named no. Bill Mandel. No, it was, All right. uh, it was for me. Okay. okay. 
Anyway, let's just uh, move on, and we may end up going uh, through the top of the hour because there is a fire drill going on right now. The building is empty. Yeah, oh, yeah, and we're the only ones in the building. We are are allowed to remain in studio. Well, we have to. We are locked in. Yeah. And Gary and Shannon are locked out. Yeah, they're down the hall. They're down outside someplace, so we might as well just keep on going. All right, so uh, Dean Sharp, the House Whisperer, heard every Sunday from 9 to 11 right here on KFI. Uh, let's go back to uh, color problems at home. All right, so now we're going to get practical. We yeah. fooled around with the color quiz. Most decor issues somehow come back to color choices. There are about four that really plague people. Here's the first one. Not realizing that everything affects color. And what I mean by that is that, like we were saying before, here's where you know you lean on the science a little bit. Color isn't a real thing. Color is something literally that is in your head. And since light waves change frequency every time they bounce off of a different texture, textures, reflectivity, other colors, natural and artificial light sources, the changing light of day to night, even exterior uh, colors. Like you, you plan out the color theme of a room. Maybe it's got, Maybe you've planned a beautiful kind of light yellow pastel in a room. And you forget the fact that when you open the drapes, there are huge green plants out there. And all of a sudden, your lovely pastel yellow has turned a sick lime green. So everything affects color. So what do you, just just on a practical level, what do you do with that one? It just means you take the time and you think it through. You can't just, you, you know what you can't do? You can't do what I always am you know, harping on. You can't just do your remodel project the way they do it on know, TV, you, where, what, like, five minutes later, they've figured everything out, and it's all done. But how, your your example, okay, the, the brush going outside, the, the, the green plant. First of all, if you're, let's say you're planting some new plants, sure. right? That are, and you, what, you have to anticipate what they're going to look like five years from now? Well, and you, you have know, to know, I mean, generally speaking, you can no, anticipate that plants are green. No, but I understand. Uh, but how do you figure out which way it's going to go without hiring a professional? Well, hiring a professional, as I always say, because design matters most, is usually never a bad idea, the right professional. But you really can do this if you just take your time to step through it. Be aware of the plants. Take a picture of them before you go to the paint store. Any furniture that you've got in that room that you already know, this furniture is staying in this room. Either take a super realistic picture of a swatch or bring a pillow with you. Bring everything yeah. you can. Show up at the paint store with a wheelbarrow yeah. full of stuff from your house. Now, uh, a couple things. Uh, first of all, taking a picture of anything changes the color. It can. Uh, but you know what? I have found, even with my iPhone, that uh, if you know, I'll snap a picture, I'll hold the screen next to it, and I'm like, no, 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 that's not representing it. I can fiddle around usually for two or three okay. minutes until I get a picture that's close enough that I can carry it with right. me to the store. But then... Test, test, test. You bring home swatches with you. Bring home whenever you can. This is really important. Bring home color boards if the paint store has color boards or what we call vinyl films. Really good paint store, main brand paint stores now. Instead of just giving you a little chip or giving you a quart to come home and paint on the wall, they'll give you a board with that color on it or they'll give you a vinyl stick-on with that color on it. And the reason why that's superior to painting on the wall as soon as that one color's up on the wall, again, everything affects everything. You put the next paint swatch up on the wall next to it, you're not getting a realistic image of either one because now they're affecting each other. So a color board allows you to lean it up against this wall, 
lean it up against the other wall, put it next to the couch, put it under the okay, light. Put it, you know, you know what I'm all saying? Right. Uh, we've all gone to paint stores. Yes. And uh, we know very little about paint. I mean, I know nothing about paint. Most people know, don't know much about paint or uh, other than, gee, that's a nice color. Uh, what kind of expertise do you get? Because every time I went to the paint store, it's always an 18-year-old kid with lots of pimples, with a real acne problem. You know what? Sometimes you just don't. I'm sorry. You don't. But if you end up at main brand paint stores, you will find, generally speaking, people who know their stuff. Right. Sinclair. What is so you, yeah, so you go to Sherwin-Williams. You end up at Dunn-Edwards, the places that actually sell mostly to contractors and designers. You're going to find people who know. And here's the next point. People get really screwed up and surprised by the presence of what we call an unexpected undertone. All right. Well, we're going to come back uh, because it is. Because we got the time. Because we have the time. You've got the never. Uh, what? Uh, and that's because we're going to take the first se- uh, first segment of Gary and Shannon. There is a fire drill going on right now. Anybody outside of the studio is outside of the building. So here we are. And folks. Out there in Radio Land, God, I love saying that. You out there in Radio Land, you get us for another segment. Dean Sharp, Handel, and some of the morning crew. This is KFI AM 640. All right, KFI Handel here, and uh, Dean Sharp. And the reason that uh, Gary and Shannon aren't here, which they will be momentarily, is because we had a fire drill. And everybody outside the studio had to leave. Gone. But we were here. Well, anybody inside the studio, uh, the fire marshal allows those people to stay in because there's a whole because issue. Because we of, are expendable. Yeah, and uh, there is an entire issue of dead air, uh, which the FCC has some issues with. So we would be in this building as it burnt down. So while we're waiting for Gary and Shannon to come up uh, the stairs, maybe we'll uh, they either interrupt or they'll wait until... The staff's uh, trickling in. Should be soon. Uh, okay, so... Uh, <laughs> Do you want another point of color? Yeah, let's talk about color for a moment Okay, and, so until they come in. Another problem with, with color matching stuff for your house is, and I, I think this is probably the biggest one, it is the unexpected presence of an undertone in the color that you've picked. So if you remember anything about what we've talked about this morning, remember this, two terms, mass tone Undertone. All right. Okay. So with undertone, you don't so, want to go swimming in the ocean because it's. <laughs> Mass tone is okay. this. It is the primary color that you're after in whatever color sample you're doing. Undertone is one of the colors that they used, one of the pigments that they used to get that color bleeding through and tinting the uh, the the color and you, and sample. you want that sometimes? No, no, no. It's just unavoidable. Oh, got it. It's unavoidable. Even with only, really thick paint. Only the primary colors, meaning uh, when it comes to paints, meaning cyan, magenta, and yellow. Only those three colors are pure colors and don't need blending to create those three pure colors. Every other color, millions of colors. Are all if you ever stood at the paint counter and watched that you know they put it in that little machine yeah. you see all these bizarre colors dropping in mixing up the colors one of those colors even though you may have said oh, you know what I've got this lovely blue okay uh, tint one of those colors might have been red uh, mixing into that color it's bleeding in and it's kind of pinking there's like a pinkness that you don't even notice till you get back home and you put it next to maybe a brown piece of furniture and all of a sudden you can see that blue starts going pink on you hey that's in that and there's a question i have when you said millions of different colors uh 
is uh, whenever you try to match a color, you'll never be able to do it. You know, it's getting better and better all the time because the spectrometers at the paint store are getting better and better. If you can bring in a chip of your existing color, they can analyze it under the spectrometer and, and actually match that formula pretty dang close. But no, not usually now, exactly on the nose. Now, since the human eye, and this just floored me when I read about this, can discern about 10 million different colors. Yes. Uh, it Even the tiniest... What appears to be imperceptible differences are perceptible. Yes, and that's the problem with the undertone, is that that undertone is bleeding through. So here's how you check at the paint store. You've got a color that you really think is great. You want to make sure, you got to ask yourself the question, what kind of undertones does it have? You know what you do? You take that color chip and you hold it next to a primary color. Go hold it next to pure blue. Hold it next to pure yellow or uh, pure magenta. If it turns, you know that that's the undertone. The, the pure colors, the primary colors will draw it out. But even that paint chip, right, mm -hmm. if you have that swatch, is going to be a different color than the can. Not exactly. Not actually. It's a, it's a misnomer. The paint chip is actually going to be a faithful representation. But, again, everything affects color. So the paint chip, which is two by two, maybe two inches square, when you... Painted on the wall three by three, the light affects it differently. The texture of the wall affects it differently. And here's a huge thing that people miss, uh, don't do. The wall that you're going to put your test samples on, you need to put primer on that wall first. Because if you put it on bare drywall, you're going to get a different color. So prime the wall first, and you actually will see that color represented accurately at home. Got it. All right, this is very strange. Hey, what's Shannon. going on right now? So we We've successfully lost yeah. half I, of well, your listeners right. for you. You know what? I was listening, and then I heard you say "point of color," and then and that was it. And then I started running. All right. So, yeah. uh, so how do we? So how do we do this? Because this is the first segment of Gary and Shannon. They were outside. Uh, we are inside, Dean and I, because that's a we good have breakdown. To, yeah. No, I get it. That's brilliant. So, Gary, you're over there. This is your seat. Uh, and Shannon is, well, you're where you normally are. Mm -hmm. So Dean and I are. You guys doing, are free to go if you want. Or you could stay. Like, well, we have basically another minute and a half. Go ahead then. Go ahead. So why don't, no, you, we'll just just why don't you just promote what you're going to do on the show? You might as well make the, you might as well do the promotion. Give some of your listeners back. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> we are going to be talking about the scare on that JetBlue plane. Everyone on that plane said, we were prepared to die. You're still on the ground. I don't know how prepared you can be to die. But anyway, we'll dig into that, tell you that story. Also, L.A. County supervisors are now talking uh, about the mess that is the Department of uh, Children and Family Services in this county. We've got a lot of dead kids on their hands, on their watch. So we'll have to hear what they have to say. And what you watching Wednesday with Petros Papadakis. All right. So coming up, uh, Gary and Shannon... On the Gary and Shannon show, of which Dean and I were doing the Gary and Shannon show. Which one was which? I was you. I was oh. I was Gary. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's it, it's a sexual. Because I'm better looking than Bill. Uh, not only that, it's I don't want to get into the and I don't younger. want to get into the and younger. Yeah, the physiology considerably of this. Okay. younger. So anyway, uh, tomorrow morning we come back. Uh, Handle the morning crew, Dean. Thank you. We'll uh, hear you on Sunday. Yes, sir. And and uh, on Gary and Shannon this Friday oh, for right. DIY Friday. Right, Gary. Would you like your seat? No. <laughs> Coming up, second segment of Gary and Shannon. What do you think? Monica Ricks has the latest.